before we bring on this week's guest, I want to introduce you to our Queer Artist of the Week. This this week's Queer Artist is Harrison Creative. He's a mixed media artist from Bristol, and basically what he does is take scraps of paper and found materials and upcycling them into unique art collages, taking inspiration from 90s computer art and album covers, but also staying traditional with the like very physical medium of it, the physicality of what he's created. Digital art is out there and it's a little bit saturated, so Harry is shaking up the scene with his creations. He takes queer icons, drag queens, and creates these incredible pieces, and he's making TikToks to show his processes and show his own reels and things as well, um, and if you want to go check out his art, how he makes it, and see what Harry is all about, which I thoroughly suggest you do, you can go to at h.azz.a on Instagram, and all of his stuff is there, his Etsy shop is there, and I'm going to pop his... Um, Instagram link into the description of the episode as well so you can go check him out and support him. I am very excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, You're a Leeds icon, I think it's fair to say, and it feels it feels very strange to see you on Zoom and not on the stage or on the Viaduct Twitch page. So do you want to introduce yourself, Coco? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the first time you've seen me as a guy as well, <laughs> just chilling at home. Um, so yeah, I'm Coco Badoz, um, one of the Viaduct showgirls here in Leeds. Um, All-round fun showgirl, dancing, drinking, DJing mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how's lockdown 3.0 been treating you? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's fun. Um, I don't know. I think this is the third time now in the last <laughs> year that I've just embraced the unemployment <laughs> and perpetual doom that it seems to be uh, facing us. Um, but it's okay, actually. It's all right. I'm finding new ways to keep motivated as everyone else is. You know, I've been getting up earlier and trying to sleep later. I started reading books again, which is good. I forgot I could read. <laughs> um, but no, it's all right. How about you? Yeah, it's been... I think this one's hit me differently to all the other ones because I like, came home for Christmas and I'm like, oh, you can't go back. And I'm like, oh no, because I've left <laughs> basically all my stuff in Leeds. Oh no, I, I, I'm really lucky that obviously I live here. This is my base, so I don't need to go anywhere else. The first lockdown was, um, that was a hot potato mess. I literally got back from Gran Canaria two weeks before we went into the lockdown and I was homeless. I had nowhere to live. Um, but I was really lucky because friends put me up and then um, a friend of mine who owns a hotel, he let me stay there for two months. So I was homeless, but I had housekeeping and fresh linens. So it was still nice and bougie. <laughs> that is like the best of both worlds, isn't it? It was good, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fun. And now you must have, you live with pressure, so there's always going to be something going on now. So yeah, um we obviously we got to go back to work for a bit um, and then I, I started doing muggle jobs like I went to Primark for a bit just to get some money um, so yeah me and Presh a DJ host main host of the viaduct um, we have a nice city centre apartment it's just the two of us <laughs> just two of them Trannies in a room <laughs> there's so many wigs we've still got the Christmas tree up as well because I refuse to take it down now that we're, we're in lockdown <laughs> exactly keep it festive Ours exactly. went like a week ago because it was very dead. Oh so no! This to... is 
this will just go in the cupboard after. <laughs> just, just don't even take the stuff off it, just move it and then you're fine. Yeah. Nothing real about this woman and same with her trees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think hopefully by the time this comes out in like sort of mid-Feb, early March, we might be able to leave the house again, I'm hoping, being very optimistic. Um... I mean, I'm kind of, I've resounded to the fact that it might be very George Orwell 1984, you just have a room <laughs> and then you're only permitted outside at specific times for specific actions. I'm fine with that now. It's cool. I'll just do drag on the roof. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> just put, fights. yeah, just put some chairs outside of the street, put on a little show yeah. for them. So you've been <laughs> like working on a lot recently because you have outside of drag, you have a dance company as well. Yeah, um, uh, me and my Judy, my best friend uh, Jack, we have our own company called Film Projects, which we, um, we're trying to focus on creating queer work with queer artists, um, just to create more of a queer voice within the contemporary dance, within the art scene. Um, because, I, you know, growing up myself, there wasn't a lot of queer work that I was exposed to. Um, and it's just a driving force for us to just keep sharing and nurturing and building with different artists um, it's not an anti-heterosexual vibe at all <laughs> it's just a pro homo vibe <laughs> if you know what I mean yeah exactly I mean because like the 12 days of Christmas I thought was a really good way to like highlight 12 queer artists well it was really easy because we um you know with lockdown we're not we're not doing anything um, we've got projects that we're wanting to work on and things to apply for with Arts Council and stuff, but because we just don't know what's happening between this month and next, it's okay, what can we do for free? What can we do that it's easy? And all it was was find these queens just had to, and by queens, you know, they weren't just queens. We had drag kings, we had dancers, we had singers and uh, poets. Um, but it was nice. That's all they had to do was just send us what you've already got and let us promote you and share you to the world because it's that easy it's everyone can do it everyone can literally just press share or upload we could upload so many awful selfies and so many boring pictures of our food every day um it does it, it costs less than that to put out a bit of goodness and a bit of niceness to support somebody else's art definitely i loved um harry's where he takes like the old paintings and like drags yeah. them up um, yeah them oh they're gorgeous absolutely beautiful when we've got a few frames in the house that i'm like right once we're back in the money again honey we're gonna be like one for you one for you exactly that's what i miss like my the flat is like fully decorated and it's like the most i've ever decorated a space before and now i'm sat in my dad's office with like some of my airplanes and cowboy hats and yeah it's very very mass mass for mascara I did, I did put my plant in the corner though, so there's some homosexual vibes in the yeah. corner. <laughs> Trying to channel the energy. Yeah, I feel like everyone's got the same, every girl has the same plant, but. I'm actually so, awful, I don't have any house plants. Oh, you need, well I guess because you like, you're working late all the time, you won't forget to like, water them. Yeah, I just, I don't water anything. <laughs> um, yeah, not for me. That's because I left, I left like five in the flat. And I said to dad the other day, I was like, they're going to be dead. No one's going to water them for about 10 weeks. No, <laughs> you're crypt. Yeah, I was, 
like the last thing I took out. I was just like carrying it down. I've got 10 flights of stairs. I was just carrying my little plant out to like nestle it into the car. Not fun. Oh my God. Oh. No, I, I can barely look after myself. So an inanimate living thing in the corner will just get completely ignored. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's sort of like, we're talking about the 12 days of, we got a little sidetracked with the plants, the 12 days yeah. of queer content. Well, that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast as well. It just sort of like amplify queer voices and make them a little more heard because I was the exact same growing up. Uh, there's no, there's no queer content. You go into like children's TV channels. There's nothing. This is it, and you know, queer content. It's more than just you know a romantic gay coupling in um, the latest hit in teen drama. Do you know what I mean? Like that isn't queer culture. That isn't queer representation. That's just a small snippet of of what being queer or being a gay man is, or however they represent it in there. Um, it's more than that. We are in all facets of life and in industries and in all forms of art. Um, and now, as we live right now, this is the most that we are able to project that and share that and promote that with everything. We've, we've never, as a people, been more had more um, at our fingertips to be able to do this. So uh, why not? <laughs> Let's run with it and make the most of it while we can. Exactly. The more queer content, the better. I mean, so working as a queen, you must deal with drunk people all the time. Um, and in fact, well, like the first time, well, the only time I've met you at Vidad, actually, I was off my face. And the only thing I remember, because my friend told me, was I walked up to you and said, so good, and then walked away. And that was <laughs> But like, do you ever get like, unfriendly drunks and stuff? Oh, yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Um, you know... <sighs> We all like a good drink, and I, most of the time when I'm working, I get really drunk at the end of the night after the show. You know, we all we all have a good tipple, and that's fine. Um, people only usually get nasty when they're drunk because they're embarrassed or they've realised they've made a fool of themselves, and so instead of retreating, they like to attack instead. And I always say to you, I'm like, listen, listen, Linda, I might be a pretty lady in this wig and with these lashes on, but there's a dude under here, okay? And you're in my turf. This is my sacred ground. Ain't no god gonna save you today <laughs> um you, you, you get i've had people like try to pull wigs i've had like a street fight once because some guys were drunk and like literally pulled one of the girls wigs and we went outside and that was it full scrap we oh dealt with that that was fine <laughs> not that i advise anyone ever getting into fights to deal with drunk people it's not appropriate um and i've had like i've had like karen's you know that i, I say in quotations karen's um who just oh, just ridiculous some people just don't know how to carry themselves at all <laughs> and that can include some of the drag queens too <laughs> really work when um they've like give us like <laughs> drinking bans for a week or so because someone's got a little bit too merry <laughs> <laughs> one oh, game we've played before lethal um it's called share shots and it's one of precious games she has all these games she's fabulous she comes up with these fun things and um obviously as we're backstage getting ready she's already working and um as we're doing so she'll um, play a share song and um it's like musical chairs there's so many 
Jaeger bombs instead of chairs. And the last one to get a Jaeger, get there, doesn't get a Jaeger bomb. Um, <laughs> but it can happen at any point throughout the night. So you're doing a quick change to get into your next number and you'll hear a share song and that's it. You're out there with your tips, just your tips holding. You've got no, no wig on. You're just like running through the audience to get to this last, <laughs> last Jaeger bomb. Oh they can leave a pretty heavy night. I was going to say, I love all the streams she does with a straw. She oh, she does. Oh, so regal. Only precious Michaels would drink a Jaeger bomb with a straw. <laughs> I know. Because you must get, I mean, you must get people buying drinks all the time at work as well, which probably doesn't help when you don't, if you don't want them. I mean, famous last words are always, oh, I'm not drinking today. And you can fight off the girls for so long. And then the customer's like, oh, let me get you a drink. Okay. <laughs> the people are always wanting to buy drinks. Half the time I'm like, give me the money. <laughs> yeah. I need the money. It'll buy me groceries or it'll go towards my bills. I would rather the money than the hangover. But sadly, that's not how it works. Because <laughs> oh, I mean, do you, get, you must get a like, discounted drinker free at some point. I can neither, nor deny the salacious rumours that you were circulating. Okay, I will, we'll leave that one up until the, for the mind to decide then. I mean, I think there's a massive misconception about queer venues, especially in the UK anyway, is that not everyone that goes there is queer. Like, there's a lot of straight people that go there as well. Oh my god, yeah, definitely. Um, I think growing up, I definitely thought that the world worked in this way, that uh, gay venues were for gay people. Straight venues were really for just straight people. I mean, you could go in there, but if you got beat up, well, you know, that's what straight places are for. Um, but growing up, you'd be like, that is so not the way the world works at all. I generally find straight venues um, less fun. I just find they're more restrained and held together. Whereas you go into like more um, LGBTQI plus venues and you've got middle-aged nanas, you've got the straight men from the building society just finished. They've coming in for a drink. They want to see the men in wigs and have a laugh with them, not necessarily at them. Um, you've got like the bingo nanas that have been in there from 5 p.m. They're leaving now. There's a swap over clientele and then all the young twinks are coming in at like half nine, ten. And oh, it's just there's so many people from so many walks of life in the venues and particularly at Viaduct. Um, and it just it keeps it alive. I think it keeps the, the, the flow fresh. I think that's because I know the like the bathrooms are huge and they're all open. I think the last it was the second to last night before the second lockdown and there was just this old lady and she was just like dancing around on her own and we were like are you okay do you need anything and she was like no I'm just having a good time yeah just come in live your best life live your truth ain't no one here to judge or nobody no one's really interested do you know what I mean um it's, it's so much fun yeah and I think there's just because my flatmate's uh partner we asked who wanted to come he was like am I allowed and I was like yeah and he was like, but I'm not gay. And I was like, they're not going to check you at the door. Oh my God. Yeah, it's not um, like a lie detector. You've got to pass these 20 questions to prove you are one of us to come in. Now that's not a thing. Um, if anything, if you're straight or handsome, you want to just be more, a little bit more safe because you're going to be like fresh meat on the prairie. <laughs> you know what everyone's like when they walk in? Like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, could you just imagine, like, you and Prush stood at the door with, like, a, like share quiz, be like, okay, when did this song come mm -hmm. out? No, you're not coming in. 
<laughs> Listen, she wouldn't even need a little clipboard. She would just be like, <laughs> exactly. And I think because I didn't realize how many queer venues there were in Leeds. Like, yeah, there's quite a few. It's more than than you realize. Because it's that whole little like, like Rainbow Bridge bit is all. It's a little yeah. like, gay village almost, which I think is adorable. Well, I mean, <laughs> a village. It's so it's small and compact. Like we don't have a huge scene like London or Manchester or those, but we do have um, an intimate scene. And there's, there's for such a small section of the city, we actually have so many people in the community. Like we have such a large queer community here in Leeds. Um, I think kind of just slides under the radar. But we have got some lovely, lovely venues. I mean, New Penny's been there for. I mean, it's got a blue plaque, which I think it means it's been there since before the dinosaurs. I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the viaduct's been there for over 10 years. Really? And that used, that used to be, a, I think that used to be like a footballer's club way back in the day. Before that, it was a hotel. Like, it's been through many, <laughs> many visions that, of life. That's such a big difference, though, isn't it? Like, football club, queer bar. <laughs> cabaret bar not just not like it's a gay bar either but there are people that are like split dropping for money because <laughs> um, i think like the uk drag scene is very different to the states because i think there's more like cabaret here well in the states it's more like just any bar they just pop yeah like, like, I've, never, I've never been to the states um i've only ever been abroad twice that was once on holiday to Gran Canaria, and then the second time was when I moved there, like two months after. Um, but uh, all the drag that I do see online, um, which again is so great with how accessible everything is, is, it does tend to be just like they kind of stand there, they lip sync, and they're taking your money out of your hand. <laughs> I'm like, why don't we tip like that here? I want a £10 note. <laughs> I, but that's because it's like they've got dollar bills. You can't like pelt people with a £1 coin. Like that's a bit aggressive. I wouldn't mind. I'd come out with a bucket for every act. I'd be ready. I think mm-hmm. they could like put a bucket out at like the stage of the bar or something, and that could work that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly one way that we could do it. <laughs> we could definitely like, figure it out. Yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, because they've got like the online tipping and stuff now as well, which I think is quite good. It is, and that's been really, really good as well to survive through the through like the pandemic and stuff. Because as you said, we've been doing these shows online. Um, what people don't realise is actually these have been com- completely free shows. We don't get paid. We haven't got paid to do them. Um, you know, the violet is shut, so they haven't uh, paid us. But, but we've asked to do these shows, and we've wanted to do these shows um, for the community. And it's been so nice that people have tipped. You know, they're not huge quantities, but they are. Uh, they they make the difference in the struggle that we have. You know, we we online we live these glamorous lives, but we are just mere mortals <laughs> sludging it through the pandemic with everybody else. And but it, it helps. I think I think that hopefully that'll continue on, and then eventually, well. I'll just, I'll encourage everyone to just pelt the one pound coins. Give me the coins. <laughs> I mean, this, Precious has a screen around that booth anyway. So just over and under, you're fine. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so I'd pop it in the Jager bombs. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, ret- that's actually not a bad idea. Like return your glass, but like leave money in them. It'd be a bit yeah, sticky, maybe. but like it would work. There's enough hand sanitizers going around now. It's fine. Exactly. I mean, cause... 
second lockdown, Leeds didn't feel like it changed too much because like takeaways and stuff were still open. We were in tier three or two or something like it, it, it all blends now, I don't know. And then sort of before Christmas, I felt like I had gone back to normal again, but yet no restaurants and things. So, but from what I've seen pictures and stuff of my flatmates that have gone back, it seems dead now. Oh my God, it is. It's like, it's like a graveyard, but Leeds is still such a beautiful city. Like it's absolutely pouring it down here right now. So it's not as beautiful as always. Um, but it is generally, it's, it's empty. There's only like a supermarkets um, that are open. And your, you know, your essential shopping places that are open, like Krispy Kreme, because that is apparently essential. Very essential. <laughs> just the one or two that seems to slide under the radar. But yeah, the streets are just dead, which I don't mind. <laughs> There's some like really strange stuff that's managed to stay open. That, like, do you know, I don't, I'm not going to try and name the street because my geography is awful, but like the cow vintage... Cow Vintage. Like just past Victoria Gate. Oh, yes, yes. That was open the other day. Because my friend Everybody needs. But is that. I mean, vintage shopping is not essential. No. If <laughs> Primark's not open. <laughs> exactly. That it should not be open. I mean, I read a really interesting tweet the other day, um, and it was about heterophobia. Because that's a thing now. Okay. Um, and it was essentially questioning why queer people make fun of the straights. Like, how do you feel about that? Because I was a little bit... I had to, like, put it down and, like, not fire something back. Uh, right. So what? So uh, is that... Is this straight people saying that heterophobia is a thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, potentially, depending on how many queer people are out there scarred from the trauma that have been that has been inflicted on them by society for villainizing them and ostracizing them for being themselves, um, then yeah, I suppose you could say most people have grown up being slightly heterophobic or scared and terrified of straight people and straight culture. Um, but I don't think there's an active um, pattern of behaviour for queer people to be like right straight people are wrong and we don't like straight people so that is one of those like you need to sit down you need to go and watch EastEnders and shut up <laughs> exactly because I read that and I was like you've got to be joking because obviously I think everyone makes jokes of like the straights in but it's not in an aggressive manner it's... absolutely absolutely um, but that's just it's just that's not persecution of their person, their gender, their orientation, their way of life. Um, that's just someone who needed to type something that day. <laughs> they had nothing else to type. There was like loads of people replying to it as well, but I was like, come on, like, Patty, don't start. This is not the time. But it's like the gay agenda, isn't it? Like there's a secret thing that oh, the yeah. gay that infiltrate the world and it's like, we are the world. That's it. We are the world. <laughs> There's nothing to infiltrate because it's already been done. Absolutely. It's because do you feel like when you go to work and you're in drag, do you feel like you get more or less like homophobic comments, remarks and stuff like that? Um, do you know, I, I, again, I don't know if that's just because it's, it's this beautiful city, but it's very, very rare that I find um, myself subject to homophobic, uh, you know, behaviours now. Um, when I was younger, it was very, very different. 
Um, but I don't know if that's just because of the the energy that I exude as a person. Uh, definitely in drag, it it probably. I don't know if I get if I get more. I think I'm almost scarier in drag because you know there's that look and presence of one step and I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> um, whereas as a as a boy as Callum, when I'm just like doing my day to days, I'm a little bit more like just I'm just here just to get by and not do anything. Um, and I don't tend to react to any homophobic abuse. But in in I suppose when I'm in drag, I'm in a safer space. So like if you're gonna sit there and call be homophobic to someone in a gay venue, then you're like, you're, you're in amongst the snakes because everyone else around you is then going to kind of turn their head and go, excuse me? <laughs> what yeah. did you say? Um, so no, I wouldn't say I experienced it more in drag. Because I feel like I've definitely found Leeds is not bad for it at all. Like it's very... Le- it's really open. I mean, we have things like LFF, which is Leeds First Friday, and all the guys that... Um, um, not transgender, but the transvestites and the, the people that like to dress up um, for whatever reasons, and they all come out, dress up, and they're fabulous. Um, they have a great time, and you just see them walking around the around the city and to the venues, and they go over to Fiverr wherever they need to go, and it's amazing. Um, and I just think, like back in my hometown in Wolverhampton, you would never get that. You, you like it just isn't possible. That's like the same here. Like it's very like this is what you present as, so this is what you do, and this is what you must look like or associate with or whatever. But I've definitely found, like, Leeds is, even, like, right in the centre, like, when it's, like, half 11 at night and you're walking up Rickett Street, like, it's not bad at all. I feel like it gets a little bit, like, racy up on, like, as you get onto campus. Oh, I don't really go onto campus, so I wouldn't know. It's, it's like that big hit, like, Woodhouse Lane. It's a little bit, like, but that's more just like people like shouting in. You just keep walking. Oh, no, I just, I literally, I have my little spot in the city centre. Like I live, I'm not going to tell you where I live because obviously <laughs> it's a podcast. But I live dead city centre, like not far from work. So everything I have is at my fingertips. I finished work. I can now just roll home <laughs> just around the corner and I'm good. I don't need to walk anywhere. I don't need to go anywhere. Everything I need is literally on my doorstep. So I guess yeah. I, I probably why I avoid all of those. Because you, like you said, you live like quite close to work. Would you ever walk home in drag? Um, I mean, I have done a few times. Um, it just kind of depends on my mood. How long does it take me to get undressed after the end of the night? How drunk am I? <laughs> um, yeah, I have stuff here that I can just take it off at home or I have stuff at work it's just everything's right at my disposal I'm really lucky (laughs) that is quite good I mean have you ever like come home and then woken up the next day still like in full full drive I am not ashamed to say yes I am not ashamed to deny that yep it happens it really it happens it happens to everyone anyone who says to you they've never done it liars absolute liars um yeah, definitely. I mean, there's many times when I'll do like my day walker thing and I've had got my face on and I'll just walk around like, oh, right, I'm ready for the show. I'm just going to pop to the shop, actually. Does anyone want anything? Completely unfazed. <laughs> I mean, I guess at the minute, because you have to put like a mask on anyway, you've got like some inconspicuousness. It's just like a really glamorous oh, yeah. like top half of the face. Oh, yeah. But even before, like before COVID and before... Um, 
um, I went away for a bit. I literally wouldn't bother me. It was like, right, anybody want to come for a walk? <laughs> I just fancy some sort of vinegar Pringles before the show. <laughs> I mean, so you did, like you said, you did a season in Grand Canary. Was that like drastically different to the UK scene, would you say? Um, yeah, yeah, it was a completely different experience for me. Um, I, I hadn't been abroad before, before that. I'd just been to Grand Canary Pride in the May time I think um, and then I moved out there in <laughs> the end of July it was just really quick it was a job and I took it but um, the format of the show was different I was so used to working in a cast where we did you know like we always say at the Viaduct a cast of a thousand it was like five of us um, and then there there was a smaller number and we didn't do as big numbers we did more solos and then that, that's where I learned to DJ and where I learned to do some patter and some stand up with audiences and how to interact with them because I, I had to do it I had to learn on the spot um, but it was fun and it was great and I, I miss that so much I miss having like a live audience and just getting to know them and you know you invite them to take the piss out of you and you take the piss out of them um, and there was just people from everywhere from from across from around the world that you were meeting all the time and I have so many of them now on my social medias um <laughs> I don't have a huge following because I'm so bad at social media I don't hashtag anything I don't really post frequently or have content that I like sharing I'm not a look queen I'm a turn up to the show and watch me do my thing kind of queen <laughs> Um, but that was a really, really great experience for that exposure, but to see all these people and people that were really kinky and into things as well, like straight people are really not as prudish as like you like to think. We think gays have got the the ticket on being like, naughty and um, we'll stick with kinky. Um, but the, the straights have got it out there too. They're, they go on holiday to another island and they're meeting up with all sorts of people, you know, swings and roundabouts kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, is that like, was that something you'd want to do again? Like do a season abroad and then come back to Leeds? And... Um, yeah, I think definitely like not right away, maybe like in a few years or something. Um because I think the one thing this pandemic has taught me is right now I need to, I need some security in my life. As an, I've just been an artist and a graduate and I have really, really struggled with that because I, I, don't, I don't have furlough. I haven't been <clears throat> able to get like particular grants or support or things. And so now I need to build a safety net and be an adult <laughs> before it's too late. That is my fear as well, because I'm in my first year. Like, I've just finished the first half of it. I've got, like, my assessments and stuff to do this week. But I'm already thinking, like, what am I going to do in two years? Like, this is not... What am I going to do? Oh, darling, I graduated two years ago, and my advice to any student is <clears throat> don't have a plan. You have a plan, it's probably going to go wrong anyway. So just have a broad idea as to what you want to do and aim for roundabout that area don't pinpoint a specific thing because yeah. look at, look at the situation we're in life is so unpredictable it, i just think it's futile to say this is what's going to happen abc just go with the flow it's always worked i think, <laughs> I think anyone's like five-year plan has totally gone out the window definitely point. But I never had a plan to begin with, so I think I'm winning. That's fine. <laughs> then you're just rolling with it. You're like, oh, this is happening. Okay, I'm going to do this now. Because yeah, I mean, by the time they were going to put us in the third lockdown, um, 
me the girls from work <clears throat> we were just like well we're ready for this we we're prepared because we're, we're all self-employed and stuff and we're, we're just we're just ready to kind of be like nothing new to us here we go <laughs> that's the thing is i don't think a lot of people realize that like in your line of work it is self-employment most of the time yeah exactly um as an artist in general it, it, it is tricky you don't get a lot of that um, security that you do like a, con a contracted job um, but that's why we all evolve and we, we make find new ways to find security um, so in, in a sense coming out of lockdown I'll definitely be a bit more uh, secure yeah the five-year plan will be like starting to starting to <laughs> be CEO of Amazon <laughs> that, there we go now you just have to start working at that that would, that would be a stressful job, though. I could not do that. Uh, I mean, it can't be that hard. Just approve a few deliveries, I imagine. Yeah, that's fine. Has that arrived? No, we're going to say yes anyway, because that's what they do, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> uh, would you say you've learned a lot about, like, Callum through Finding Coco? Definitely. Um, I think doing drag... It's hard because for some people they they differentiate between like it, it's it's two completely different people, and and it sort of is like Coco is definitely a character, um, you know I I become this person for a certain amount of time and then I take it off, but a lot of what I invested into this character comes from me and then circles back around to help me discover more of myself, becoming more confident or more secure in my, my opinions or um, fashion or, it, you know, from really trivial things like that to just your sense of security in, in yourself is really good. Um, I think drag is so liberating and it comes with so much freedom, freedom of choice, uh, freedom of expression. Uh, freedom to be a hot potato mess and then you can just blame it on somebody else you know I get to do that and I always joke around saying like ah, my life is crazy crazy fun and all I do is I just do fancy dress I get to do fancy dress for a living and I get to m make people laugh and that makes me happy and so it's just like this figure of eight where it, it's it's I'm so lucky to be in that position um I'm lucky, particularly because I have a residency as well. Like I don't have to run around from venue to venue on the circuit. Like I have a place, I have a home in drag where I've been raised and where I perform and I give back to the community, which just gives so much to me um, and to me as Callum, as well as Coco. Because I think that like the streams have definitely showed like Viaduct like, has like a community of people that go there as well. Like, you see the same people on there every week. <laughs> every week people commenting and then they get to know your name and then they find out who you are as a boy and they try to add you and then people start to follow you around in the daytime and you're like oh hello oh, really? <laughs> it's so funny because I am I try not to go I don't really go out I'm for someone who works in nightlife I don't really go out I only ever go out after work and most of the time I stay in drag because for me it's it's a hassle when people know Callum Callum doesn't like to do anything. Callum doesn't like to see anyone. Callum likes to stay at home and read my books or just eat and get fat and sassy. Um, so Coco is the, the, the people person. Coco will stay here and get drunk with you. Coco will be your friend. Um, but if I'm not Coco, please just leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. 
there'll be times when like you because i've been here for a while when i'm walking around in town i'm just like oh hi you're okay i'm like i have no idea who this is um you were out on the weekend yeah oh my god yeah yeah nice yeah, they show you a picture of you and them you have no <laughs> idea it's just like recurring pattern in my life <laughs> oh my god i could just literally like see people oh do, do you remember this not a clue <laughs> <laughs> Because there's something about like the energy at Viaduct that every time I've gone there, I've then come back to the flat, drink more, and end up blacking out. Like that's the pattern now. I mean, I don't know if it's the poppers in the aircon or the vodka in the water. That's right. You get a tap of water, it's all laced. <laughs> no, um, it is. It's a, it's a world of magic. Absolutely magical. It is, and I'm, I love the like the next day when it's either your flatmate like, do you remember doing this? <laughs> no, I don't. And they show you a picture and then it's like, do you remember having a nap in the hallway? <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> but you know, it's like you said though, it's that thing, it's because there are so many people from all walks of life that are just living this good vibe and it's good energy that it allows everyone to let their hair down so no one sat there cautiously going oh am i being judged everyone's like this am i being judged i'm gonna have a party and you end up dancing it's that thing like where you you're in the toilets talking to a randomer asking if she's okay um and then you don't know her name the next day you have no idea who she was but you were so intent on checking up on them <laughs> exactly it's such like a little like it is a community isn't it yeah definitely I find, and I love when you like go to the bathroom and then you come back half an hour later and you've got like 10 new Instagram followers because you've just been like <laughs> making friends in the bathroom and it's like, I'm never going to see this person again. Never, never going to speech them, never going to socialise them, but that's the look you get. <laughs> exactly. It's quite, it's when you like see them later on and then it's like, I remember you, but I don't remember why or when or how. Like the same thing with people coming up to you. Yeah, you're questioning why you follow them. There have been so many times as well, like where um, people have been like, oh, follow me, follow me, follow me. I'm like, um, I will do, I will do. And then if they manage to collar you when you're just you out in drag and they're like, oh, follow me now, I'll, I'll give you my thing. And like, like peer pressured by people to add them. And I'm just like, oh, God, I barely like stay in touch with my family or, or actively follow them. Like, never mind, some person that I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, it's not personal. It's just like generally I'm not interested in social medias. <laughs> do people do that to you? Like, like here, do it now. Yeah, yeah people do all the time. People are like, like it's that I'm, it always bewilders me because I'm like, I am not a, a big famous drag queen i'm just a little queen in a city uh a fun pub who's living her best life so why are you so interested it, it bewilders me when in two weeks later you don't like anything you don't remember me and i'm i probably unfollowed you after anyway but don't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah people do they get really like oh you know add me on this follow me on that okay that is so funny i mean i like i followed all the girls from like the first time i went there and then Cherry followed me back the other day and I was like, I followed you like three months ago. How have you found me now? <laughs> Definitely. The Cherry doesn't have an excuse. She's really active on social media. We've, like I've had conversations with her on there as well. I feel like I'm being well, shady I'm, now. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Uh, I'll give her the I'll give her the tea. I'll be like, ooh, you shady lady. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the because we've been watching the like streams at home and mum has been loving them every week she's like i want to see precious's hair and oh yeah 
Mamor. Um, Fresh is my drag mother, and so I always just refer to Mamor. Um, but you should see her. She's she's literally like the the Duchess or the <laughs> the Grand High Witch we call her backstage. Um, and she's like, right, girls, do this, do this, and she she does everything, but pretty much herself. But then when she's in like a diva mood, like, right, I need to do my hair now. Right, someone come help me. <laughs> Fabulous. Honestly, you've never seen anything like it. Half of the show really is backstage. Like, if people could only see the the behind bit and how we, the energy back there and how we all interact with each other and how it's all formed together, it's, that's, the, for me, is the best bit. Yeah, because it is, like, obviously you work so closely together and you must, like, obviously, like, you rehearse together and then you're doing this show for, like, four nights a week, so you don't have that connection. Yeah. It's just funny, right? Obviously, we have lots of jokes and lots of banter, and we like there's a bunch of shade, a bunch of shady ladies in that room too. Like we're always like throwing it around. <laughs> it's funny. It's it's a ball. Oh, just because obviously you need like it's a group effort. It's a team for your group numbers. So I can just imagine if one of you is like, I'm not putting my wig on. Someone has to do it for me. Like the show could not happen. <laughs> that or you just get your wig thrown at you. <laughs> get it on. No one's like not like mm, mm. <laughs> it'd probably be me I'd be like you get that wig on right now you wait backwards if you want I don't care just put it on <laughs> <laughs> just put something on because yeah like it's the show has it has got the production value when I first saw it I did not realize it was that many numbers that many changes we worked really really hard on this show and it's such a shame because that COVID happened and we can't you know show it to its full extent um, but it's something that we're really proud of. It was a team effort, it was a team production. We definitely all bore all our assets. I mean, out of all of the team, most of us are professional dancers. Um, we're all professional artists. We have a huge library of, of knowledge, you know, and it's, this is no, no shade or tea, but it's not just a bunch of boys in makeup that have decided to put a show together. This is a group of artists, even our boy dancers. They are both professionals. One of them just come back from the Moulin Rouge. The other one has been doing lots of other fabulous stuff. He's on production of Alison something, I believe. Um, so it, we've got a really high standard team that have come together and put together a high standard standard show with you know great directorship and everything else. It is definitely really well put together. And I think people think because of like drag race and stuff that there's like two levels of drag. It's I think it's almost, I think, well, I'm going to be a little bit shady. I think it's the opposite. I think you go, if you go see like a, a Trixie or a Shangela, you're going to get the same like recycled thing all the time. Meanwhile, if you go, you go to the Viaduct, you've got, you do different numbers for like Halloween, Christmas. Like every time I've been there, there's been something different and it's fresh. Yeah, we definitely do. Like, don't get me wrong. I think everyone falls into a bit of a repetitive pattern. You know, we have a, sh- a main show that we'll do for so many months. Um, and then we'll go like, back into rehearsal, show concepts, what's next, who's doing what, how are we going to do this, what's funky, fresh and new, basically. Um, and we definitely change it up with the festive periods because it just makes sense, you know, if you're um, going to have a weekend and it's um, St Paddy's Day, let's do a, a, an Irish theme night, let's do like river dance and stuff. And, you know, it's just, it engages more with a receptive audience, especially 
you know, people have, we have the luxury that people come back and come back and come back. So they want to see something new, something fresh. And that's even with numbers that you're doing for a few months, um, you know, they change over time and we, we adjust them slightly as the show goes on and we add gimmicks or we take gimmicks out. We alter choreo because it, it keeps it fresh again, just for people so that they keep coming back and going, oh God, yeah, I want to see this. Yeah, and I love like on, I think it was, yeah, it was Halloween. Um, can't remember the song, but it's the where they had the table and Giselle fell through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we knew it was going to be the last time we were going to do that because, because of lockdown. So we were like, right, girl, go for it. But that was actually a secret to the cast. Um, so uh, uh, um, one, of some, one of the management had told Giselle to do that secretly. So we as a cast had no idea that was going to happen. So when it happened, the look of like shock and general, genuine like howls was completely real. Like we were just like, oh my God, <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I like no one else knew that it was, no one watching knew that you didn't know. So then like, getting that reaction was so funny. That's one of my favourite numbers too, because me and Saki don't do anything. We, it was actually meant to be a solo for Giselle. Um, but, you know, we were like, oh, but this sounds so fun. We want to be involved. I want to be involved. So, you know, these things happen all the time where it just becomes more than it was meant to be. Um, and we just sit there just as two drunk pirates all day long. <laughs> but it's so fun. It is. It's such a, oh, the, like, I love the um, Lady Gaga mix as well. Like that is. Yeah. That's so really fun. Good. And I think because it's just, because obviously it's a new show and then with changing it up and even with like the lives, it's different every week. And even if you do, yeah. you can do like the same number but in a different look and then it becomes a different number. Oh, that's just cheating. But I love doing that. I do that all the time. <laughs> like we all have a library. Um, of numbers that we have, you know, solos. And there's so many times when me and Saki be like, right, what song do you know? And what do I know? Let's just throw this duet together and just, just go out there and do it and just have fun. Because it's just unprecedented times, isn't it? And I think some of the best ones are the ones where it's like, do you know this song? You, okay, let's go. Yeah, you just, you just got to make sure that you've got the right track though, because that happened to me and Saki once we were going to go out there and do a new number. We were going to just improv it. We knew the words fine. And they pressed play and it was like a really um, DJ remixed version of it. And I was just like, what is this? I don't know what this is. And I come out just screaming, going, what is going on? <laughs> oh, was that the one? Where, I think I was that like a few weeks ago, a couple weeks before uh -huh. Christmas. Yeah, and I was like, what <laughs> So yeah, make sure you've got the right tracks. Because I, I guess that's the thing, because she's got such like a a library of, of like everything. Oh no, that was our fault. The, so we gave Presh the track. So it was wrong from our end. It wasn't her oh. fault. <laughs> <laughs> we give her the wrong stuff. She was played, but she was given. Because, <laughs> oh. oh, I'm just, this is making me like miss being able to leave the house now. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to be positive. It's not, thankfully it's not raining, so that's all right. I'm not going to get drenched when I take the rats out later. Oh, bless her. They're asleep <laughs> already. Like, they literally sleep all day. Oh. And then they'll come out and they'll be like, all right, feed me, walk me around and go back to sleep. Oh, that's cute. I want them. Oh, they're, they're you and Precious should get one. 
Just like a, like a small <laughs> one. But I want one, but I don't think Fresh does. Oh. <laughs> I'm allergic. So. Oh. oh, my cousin had that. They got one, and then turns out her partner was allergic. <laughs> so they had to give it back, which was really sad. But mm. on moving past um, dogs, because now I'm going to miss my dogs. Um, so talking about uh, the UK, like, it's moving in the right direction, I think, in terms of queer representation. It's got, like, a long way to go, but we're getting there. I do think, in terms of schooling and education, though, it needs to be amplified. Like, uh, definitely. And I don't think it's, it's not, again, it's one of those, it's not about going, this is queer art you need to learn about. It's just about, just show it. Don't have to t- you don't have to be cons- consistently distinguishing the difference between what is queer and what isn't. It's just, just showing it. Like you would show anything else as a normal representation of itself. Just do that with queer art too. It's not a weird thing. Like they're going to grow up and they're going to see it. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so you may as well, like, you know. Um, I, I love seeing those memes on Facebook when it's like, oh, uh, straight people moan about um, seeing two guys kiss on on TV, and then under it, it's a picture of Disney's B movie. But this is completely normal. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, so where does your your standard lie? Yeah. Where does your representation in education? It's just like, you know, in, in sex ed classes, like you you were told like how the PP goes in the JJ, but everything else was like silent. Nothing was- else, and I. You know, as a gay kid, sat there, I'm like, well, this doesn't apply to me. You know, yeah. I went to sex and all that kind of stuff, and I had no idea what I was doing, and kind of still don't now, to be honest. <laughs> it was the same thing in the States. It was, like, very, like, prescribed, and they always have, like, their, like, religious bit as well, where some states te- don't teach sex education, they teach abstinence instead. Oh. Which is not we could practical. Do- we could do with some of that, I think. Um, but yeah, but then, there definitely could be more, more representation in teaching and education with queer art. Absolutely. I'd love to see, like, John Waters films and stuff be taught in, like, English classes <laughs> and just sort of, like, camp it up. Definitely. Could you, could you imagine? I just thought it was, like, divine on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Walking into music, you think you're a man, but you're only a boy. Choir starts singing it all together. Yeah, oh, that would be fantastic. They'd love it. And I think, oh. especially like, because a lot of like young queer people, the first kind of representation they get is drag race and like drag and seeing that. Now, definitely now, but like for me, drag race, that wasn't my first um, queer. Like, that wasn't the first thing I was exposed to as a young gay gay boy. Um, I think Beyonce was. Um, Beyonce. Drag race, <laughs> um, drag race wasn't a thing for me in, in my, growing up in my circles. I mean, I'm only, I'm, I'm young, I'm only like, I'm only 24, um, but I'm not a Rue baby. Do you know what I mean? Like, my first experience of drag was actually Viaduct Showgirls when I worked on the bar. Yeah, and then I became uh, a boy dancer that became one of them. Um, and that for me was drag. And then I had to watch RuPaul just to keep up with what everyone was talking about. And not even the cast, but the scene, like the culture around that, um, you know, you got to stay relevant. Um, 
but I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really get exposed to a lot of queer art growing up. Beyonce was probably the gayest thing ever, and my sins that I used to make kiss each other secretly. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's only as I grew up and moved away and educated myself that I became more exposed to, to different people. Even when, like, when I did the 12 queer, queer, Queens of Christmas, there were so many other things, so many other people that I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know they were out there or they were doing this. You've sometimes There's, got to teach us. And there is so much out there. Like, you, like social media is the fantastic way to find it all. Like, it's interesting you say Beyonce, because I would say, like, mine was, like, Lady Gaga. Like, little, like, <laughs> 14. Like, yeah, probably, like, 13, 14-year-old me. Like, you know, when you had, like, CD players were a thing, and you have to, like, yeah. pull it out and plug it in. Yeah. And, it in, and then you just sort of, like, <laughs> sit and listen to it on the floor. iPads weren't a thing then. iPads didn't exist. Um, everybody, like, I think the most modern thing was the BlackBerry QWERTY keyboard. Everyone had BBF Messenger. Um, yeah, no, I was late to the Gaga party. I wasn't really hugely into the music. I was more, like, Beyonce was my powerhouse. <laughs> oh, loved it. I remember vividly. Seven, seven and a half years ago. This, this is how sad I am. I remember this. My parents, uh, well, mum went to go see Lady Gaga with her friends. And I remember I cried for like a day because I wasn't allowed to go because it was, you had to be 18. And I don't, I, oh, I oh. still remember that. It like haunts me. Oh God, I bet, bet it absolutely, like she is incredible. I can only imagine how electric her shows are. Oh, it should just be meant, my friend from college and I meant to go see her last year which obviously didn't happen so hopefully it'll happen eventually fingers crossed see you can always come watch the knockoff version of us at the viaduct <laughs> honestly I'm I'm here for the knockoff version that's what and trust me this guy does have a willy so <laughs> we can give all the paparazzi what they want <laughs> surprise yeah <laughs> I see you <laughs> and I think like with like, I love it, like Rue Babies. I think that is the, like the perfect description for like young people now, like discovering drag race. And then, cause I, I was probably the same. Like, I don't think I'd ever seen, well, you've got like pantomime dames and things like that. Yeah. Which is probably like the very first. And then probably drag race two or three years ago. Cause I'd never actually seen live drag until I moved to Leeds. <gasps> really? Oh my God. Those, those, yeah. I love seeing live drag. It's just fab. Um, but yeah, I think RuPaul has been, you know, it is fabulous and it is amazing. Um, and it's just, it's so commercial now that it is the first thing that a lot of people see and it becomes the bar or the image that they see this art form as where actually, I think what Ru's trying to show is that it's also a long history way before Ru was even alive, way before that. You know, drag has got a rich culture. Um, fucking go, sorry for that. That's all right. <laughs> Going back, like, um, I think like the Edwardians or Victorian times, like when they first started calling men who dressed up as women queens and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it gets a little bit alienated because of how commercial and how it is. And I think especially because, like, even, like, I know we have UK drag race now, but like before then, you can't compare an American reality TV show to British reality. Like, it's just... Or even American reality, like, you know, yeah. the way that, just reality in general, the way that it is structured doesn't represent true life. They structure it 
for a format that's going to get their ratings up and for a way that's entertaining. It is for entertainment. Some of it is structured and a little bit fictitious. Some of it is off the cuff and whatnot. You know, I obviously don't know. I'm not a producer. I don't know these things as fact. Um, but I do know that, um, for example, what is it, Joey J, just from oh, yeah. season 13, they were like, people are dissing her because she went on with chicken feathers. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're cheap and it's chicken feathers. But, you know, I, I have so much respect for that because not everyone has money to look amazing. Nobody realistically who works in this business, unless they have these big brand names, can afford to spend thousands of pounds on costumes. Like, honey, you're lucky I've not gone to Top Shop sequin Christmas sale. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, she's done the best she can on her budget and I think she looks freaking good. You know, it, but it's that alienation of why have they not come out in these huge designers with this? I'm like, that is not real drag. It's not real life. Not every drag queen has that capacity, whether you're a resident or you're working gig, like it's so unreasonable to thinking that everyone's going to be decked out in their like Gucci dresses. <laughs> exactly. And I think it does set that like ridiculous standard. But even when they like come off the show, you're not going to obviously high level, but you're not going to be wearing the same, you're not going to spend the same on a gown for a runway that you are for a gig, are you? Like realistically. So it's sort of. Yeah. like Probably not. I mean, I get why they're going to spend more money because of what it's for, but that still, I don't think it's worth criticising for because, for if they haven't, because they just don't yeah. have the means to. I mean, we all have a glow up. We can go back and we can get receipts to show that I'm sure like, not everyone was looking all good and everyone had some chicken feathers at some point or, you know, some not so sparkly stones. It's just kind of measuring what is real and what is attainable. Um, as opposed to what is presented to you for a product. Yeah. And I, the raft didn't think there was anything wrong with the chicken feathers. It's a, it looks the same to me. (laughs) There's definitely a difference between ostrich and chicken, but I mean, unless you're going to go and catch that big bird yourself, go go with the chicken, it's fine. Exactly. Oh my God. I mean, I think this is very random, very sidetracked, but it's just popped into my head. Like peacock feathers? <gasps> oh, I, I didn't realise that peacocks are like native to this country. Oh, really? That's probably the most exciting thing we've ever had. Because we moved, I've only lived in England for like two years, and we came and we were sat in a, like a beer garden in, in another town we lived in for like six months in Norfolk. And I was like, what is that? What is that walking down the street? My dad was like, oh, it's a peacock. And I was like, a peacock? And he was like, yeah, they like, that's normal here. I don't know if they're native to England. We probably stole them from somewhere else, like most things. <laughs> we probably um, did. But they live here them. now, so they live here now, so it's fine with me. It's just so bizarre. I mean, maybe on UK Drag Race, we'll get some peacock feathers that. Trashly <laughs> yeah, just be careful. They look bored quite quickly. They are. They're really aggressive. I tried, I like walked up to one and it like jumped on a wall and was like, squawking and like it's a good thing this is not video or they'd see like my peacock impression i was thinking like they can't they can't see that they can't hear that (laughs) i keep doing this because i've i think i've recorded four or five so far and i've got another few to do this week and next week i keep like doing visual things and i'm like no no one can i'm still doing it now like no one can see that 
bless you, broken form of ESL. Exactly, but it's, I think, so I'm back with Coco. Um, Adam's having a very blonde day today. Also doesn't know why he's speaking about himself in the third person. But that's another question, one of life's great mysteries. Um, we forgot to talk about the topic, which was reclaiming homophobic slurs. So I don't know why I'm laughing either, because that's not a funny topic. But you're, this is the queer content you came for. So thank you for listening and sticking with us, or sticking with me and my mess. Um, so, <laughs> how do you feel about, like, the idea of, like, reclamation of slurs and things that have been used against queer people? I love reclamation. I think reclamation is so empowering um, and <clears throat> it's something dangerous too because it invites, uh, you know, there's lots of skepticism. It invites that behaviour of like, well, if we can reclaim it and we can say it, can anybody and can everybody? And then how do you dictate who can and who can't and who wise? And why it's not? Do you know what I mean? So like, it, it's it's hard. <clears throat> Things like queer, queer was used as a derogatory word, derogatory word for so long. And when I grew up, I knew queer was was bad. I associated queer as like, oh my god, that's gay. It's negative. Oh, you're such a queer. Um, but now, like, if my own work, I'm very like pro queer. Like, being queer is powerful. Um, it, it's it's good to be queer and to not be the norm and to be yourself. Um, but queer is also just one aspect of an LGBTQ community. It's not everyone, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's that thing, well, if I can call my friends queer, my friends associate me as queer. Can straight people, can they? You no, know, and while I wouldn't be offended, I'm not offended, it, it, it's the intention behind the term. I wouldn't be bothered, um, somebody else might be. And um, there's things like, so backstage, like we refer to ourselves as trannies, <clears throat> which, um, people go tranny and they instantly go, <gasps> and I'm like, but I am. In, I'm not transgendered, but I associate myself as a transvestite. And I've always associated, you know, growing up, tranny was always really a negative word and was addressed to as um, cross dresses and that kind of thing. Um, and I use it all the time now because I'm like, I'm a tranny. I'm a good, beautiful transvestite character, grown man, dressing up as a woman, enjoying my life. I, I am powerful and I love it. You know, I would never associate the word to transgender people and I would never associate a transgendered man or woman as a tranny or even trans, that's a man or a woman, full stop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think the power of reclamation comes from intent and purpose and um, it's also got to be well-placed. Like I would never use the word, I, I would never just be out um, with people and be like, oh my God, what a tranny. Do you know what I mean? Or I would be more guarded about re re even referring to myself, just out of um, sensitivity around me. So what other people's thoughts and what other people's things are? Because even though I like to think I might be right, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily sit the same in everybody else. I think it, like you said, intention, behind what you're saying really is key because I think like you said queer I use that all the time now and it's the name of the podcast and I think it's just because it is taking something that's been used against you and now you're like yeah I'm gonna put that on a sticker and slap it on myself and I'm gonna associate with this because there is power in that and I think the word I mean I think fag is if a straight person used that word, I think it's 
not I hate it. Okay. I, and I don't even like it when other queer people use it. And I, I mean, those. I, I don't know how that can be nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, baguet the food because you, you can baguets food as well. Like, I think they're disgusting, and so I think I'm more assaulted that you're associating me to that <laughs> than trying to point out that I'm gay. Because <laughs> I think as long as because I don't, I feel like queer is not used in a negative way anymore. I think it's sort of generally accepted that that word has been positively associated but I do think fag and faggot are still being used in a negative way I mean I've I think if when you have that used against you as well it you can't hear it the same way yeah words are like fashion you know they come in a trend they fall out of trend and like queer just kind of fell out of trend for a while being used as a negative term which gave us the ability to reclaim it as a positive term um you know there are so many terms that we use that are vile you know um I, I can't think of sounds things like, like bumboy and I'm like yeah I am but like you come for it bitch I'm gonna give it to you <laughs> um and it, it just it depends like you know if you're being confronted for your how you identify as a person that isn't cute it's not fun that's not information that's someone that's coming for you if they're not part of your tribe um, whereas I suppose even within a close group, a close circle of friends, if you know, like, you've got a certain way of talking to each other, you, might, you have your inside jokes and you have your insults, you know, like, it, it's not, it's not the same. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think one, because that one. Oh, sorry, I thought the audio was really lagging for a second there. Um, I think because that one is still very much associated, like, in terms of the court system, that is a slur and like using it is a hate crime. So I think it's kind of hard to take it from that and then try and be like, oh, but it's fine because I'm using it to call my like fellow homosexual friend it. Like, no, that's <laughs> still not okay. Yeah, like if you're like a straight man, you was like, oh, hey fag, to your friend, like you, people around you would be like, what the hell? If you saw, you know, you'd have to watch the other person's reaction. If they like embrace the friend, like you knew that was like, that's fine. Like that's their interaction. That's how they um, are with each other. Um, but from an outside perspective to any social group, you know, you shouldn't be aiming to reclaim anything that isn't yours. Um, I love the power of reclamation though. I, when I was younger, I remember like being bullied in school, people like calling me gay. And like, I, I wasn't out. I was just this young teenage boy, terrified. And a teacher, like she tried to make me feel better. Um, she was like, you know, when I was at school, I used to get called a witch all the time because I've got long fingers, I have a big nose, and I used to be bullied being called a witch. And so in the end, I just turned around and said, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am a witch. And then, you know, people lost that strength to say it. And I got the lesson she was saying to me, and, you know, I must have been like 14. You know, I came out when I was like 15, 16. Um, so, but I was still at this time very much like, no, I'm not gay. So I said like, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying, Miss, but I'm not gay. <laughs> Um, but that was like the first time really that, you know, reclaiming something um, negative was made apparent to me and the power of that. Um, and I think that is something that we should all take. It, people in like their, their drag, their drag names have all these, so that Miss Cracker, she has, you know, that's a, a take on more of a racial thing, which is interesting for her to do. That That's good. Not that I think we need as a people, lots of reclamation on our part for that. Um, something wrong, brilliant, 
you know, she was bullied and ostracized for being Asian. So she's like, right, I'm going to give that to you. It was interesting when she went on Drag Race, there was, um, I can't remember who it was now, but there's a white TV presenter who was saying like, oh, this is wrong. Well, no, it's wrong for you if like, but it's not for her. Like this was her life journey. This was, this is her statement saying, this is who I am. I'm a powerful person and all of that isn't going to stop me. Um, I was just reading earlier today, a horror that comes from her experiences and she's reclaimed what she used to be called from her own journey um, and incorporated that into herself and her character. And I think drag is a good vessel for reclamation for, for many things, but as a, a people in general, you shouldn't be afraid to go, I'm going to take that negativity, I'm going to absorb that energy, I'm going to convert it, and this is what you're now going to eat, and you're going to choke on your own words. Yeah, and I, I think it's a beautiful way as well, because it's, you're then, especially with like a drag name and drag persona, you're associating it with something, everyone associates with being really positive, and you're, you're not just taking it to yourself, you're taking it and you're putting it on this platform as well. So it's like doubly, that's not even a word. I'm like, you're reclaiming it twice, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think, but still, sorry. <laughs> yeah, still, I think there's a, you know, a level of sensitivity around it. You know, I mean, I'm always like, whenever I pass, I'm like, oh, you know, my gay boys and my lesbos, or like, when I'll be doing patch, I'm like, oh, where are all the bum boys at? Where is everyone? Or where's, where's all the my fudge packs? But that's uh, an invitation to a certain group of people. You know, I wouldn't expect to go to like a, a, a straight comedian. And he was like, oh, where are the bum boys? Where are the, where are the, you know, and I say he, you know, like all straight comedians are men, that's just typical. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's it's um, relevant to the situation, I suppose. Yeah, and I think like you saying that as compared to like, oh, what's that? Jimmy Carr so is very different. Yeah, and you yeah, definitely completely different way. I'd be like, who are you to you know you you don't you're not part of this commune, you're not on this journey, you have no understanding. Um, you know, we're not there for you, we're not there for you to, to mock. You know, it's not like people get up as, as gay men and just have like three hours of straight jokes, because quite frankly, straight people aren't that funny. Um, do you know, that do you know what heterophobia, Coco? <laughs> Here we go, full circle, heterophobic. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I don't think that you should make it the butt of your jokes. So you you don't have the right to make it your material. You know, a, f- a few just passing comments, fine, whatever. But you know, always focus on what is relevant to you and somebody else's life and their journey. Really isn't. I think a lot of straight comedians still use it, though, don't they? Which is, and you see it on TV, and it still gets aired which is questionable as well like why is no one seeing this and like this might be a problem yeah I mean I saw I did see an article thing that like was I think was it Jimmy Carr or Ricky one of them that's got a big mouth lit like and anatomically big um they had been like using like you know gay jokes as a crutch and I was like oh yeah cool yeah that's, that's not cool and then I was watching um a comedian she's on Netflix um and she was on about like <laughs> she was about how like women aren't really into dick and she was like straight men if you want good dick 
you want your dick looked after, get the gay men. Gay men love dick. And she was making these jokes like that were relevant to gay men, but it wasn't offensive. It was like, this is matter of fact, but and this is like funny, but it's keeping them at a level of respect or above. Like it's not about bringing them down. It's not about making them look um, bad or impact their negative. Like, and it was really, really funny because I was like, she is right. Everything she's saying it is outrageous and funny. She's done her research. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not like you can't joke about these things because you're not those things. It's just do we have some respect with it. And if you can do it in a way that, like you said, brings them up rather than dragging them down, then yeah, go for it. We love that. We love that media exposure. Definitely. I think I always try to, whenever I'm doing my own patter and my own talk or anything, I always try to make sure I invite them to laugh at me. I want them to know like, I, I am a clown. I'm a gorgeous clown. I look beautiful, but I am a clown. Um, and so I, I highlight all these things that are maybe down here for me so that when I swipe at them or I, I dish a tea and whatnot, they know like, right, we're on the same level. It's fine. I'm not here to like make you any worse. And that's what all comedians do, invite you in before dishing it out kind of thing. And also never dish out lower than yourself. <laughs> There's like a level of vulnerability, I feel like, like you said, you're, you're inviting them to go for the low blows as well. Yeah, you've got, you've got to, because then they feel more comfortable in like taking it as opposed to it being forced upon them, which I think like the, like, like Jimmy, maybe he just doesn't have that where you're invited as a gay man into his kind of thing. He's not shared with you. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not, he's not really like, he's okay. Not. Yeah. It's <laughs> like uh, so he's not on that level, so he needs to just zip his lips, really. But I think that's, unfortunately, I feel like that's always going to be an issue with straight comedians, because they're they're not going to make fun of themselves. You're not going to hear them sit there and be like, oh, the straights, let's talk about the straights. And because I think it's, I think it's a confidence thing as well. I don't think... Now, this is being very generalised, and I'm not being heterophobic before anyone says that. I, I don't know. I think it partially may, may just be, like, an innocent ignorance kind of thing. Like, as queer people, so much of our life is about discovering ourselves and coming to terms with understanding our gender. Um, and this is only speculation. You know, I do not know how a heterosexual person lives. I do not know what their journey is. I just assume... Okay, keywords here. <laughs> I'm just assuming that, you know, their life isn't as based around their gender, or, or especially in those prime years of growing up, like you, you discover who you are and you kind of have to go against the grain of what is. Like, I don't imagine that journey of discovery happens for someone who is perceived to be born normal and right and hetero, insert quotations on each word. Um, so I think there is like an innocent ignorance, which is why most of the time they're like, wait, what? I don't know what I've done wrong because they've not had to have that journey that I have that contemplation where it's we go on like a discovery of like oh my god I mean being gay was hard enough but then I can't imagine like oh my god I'm not straight I'm not gay like I'm born in the wrong body or um I'm not anything I'm I'm either or actually I'm more do you know what I mean like gender is such a spectrum and yeah you've not had to you, if you have been born and know where you are on that spectrum straight away, you are safe. You've not had to explore or, or find. And I feel like that's what creates such a community in the queer communities because every single person has that. They can relate to having to find themselves in some capacity. 
it's ever yeah, exactly. a journey. Like I, I'm not trans, I'm not pan, I'm, I know that I am um, a gay man. Is the term cis? I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I just know like I'm a gay man and I love being a gay man. Um, and I, I do drag, but I know that from battling my own journey, I can sympathize and understand a bit what a transgender person has gone through or what someone is by is like, we can understand each other's conflict and resolution. Yeah. It's, it is a journey, isn't it? Like, I don't think that ever ends for a lot of people. Never ending story. (laughs) It is. Well, you're always going to be on some sort of like level of self-exploration and discovery. Definitely. Uh, You know, and, uh, who's to say you it ever stops? I don't think self, I think just, you know, it ever ends really. Life is ever going and we're also ever evolving with it and different, we're, we're different year upon year and we all grow. Um, yeah. It's like communal growth, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> it is a we are the fan. Exactly. The dream girls moment. Uh, that's what makes like the vibe and like you go to viaduct i have no issue drinking all that's left in my bank balance at that point because you know you're having a good time you go to i mean there's some lovely straight venues in leeds as well but you don't have the same level of freedom and like self-consciousness if you know what i mean yeah i definitely i mean I, de- I know that I just, I don't shrink, but I maybe like dim my light a little bit. I just twist the dimmer just so I'm like not yeah. so blind yeah. and bewildering. It's impossible for me to ever appear straight. I never try it. I just don't. It's not me. I, I'm, I'm never going to pass like some heterosexual butch man. Um, but I can be just a little bit quieter and maybe a little bit more contained. And then when I'm in the clubs, it's like, wow! <laughs> There's something about like flashing lights and Britney Spears that just makes it all come out. <laughs> flashing lights and Britney Spears. Oh, that should be a title for one of your, your things, definitely. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the title of my memoir. I can't get it <laughs> I love that. It's honestly no, it's like, good. it's just like in the flat when we have, we have like disco lights that we'll put in the kitchen when it's just us drinking or whatever. And it gets to that certain point in the evening where everyone's a little bit too much to drink. And then I can like sneak into their Spotify and I'm adding three things. And then a little bit of Amy, a little bit of Brittany, mm-hmm. a little bit of mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. And I know mm. at that point I can have my little dance and my boogie and then I can go to bed happy. Adam Sauer has arrived. <laughs> exactly. And we, oh, it's so cute. One of the people I moved to next year, I don't, I mean, I'm not sharing his business, but we were dancing to Britney Sears in their kitchen two months ago now. And he was like, I'm very straight. And I was like, mm-hmm. we, like, we know. And he was like, but I do love Britney. And I was like, that's okay. You can be straight and love Britney. A lot of men that are straight happen to like Britney. It's fine. <laughs> Britney is for everyone. Yeah, you don't like you don't suddenly start liking her and she turns you gay. It's not that easy. <laughs> oh, oh. As long as you're behind the free Britney movement, that's fine. You're allowed to be a Britney fan. Absolutely. <laughs> I love explaining that to like straight people as well but it's like how do you not know about this this is like the forefront of gay culture 
This is politics in the gay world. How are you not aware? Exactly. What gay men are happy to go to war. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know how effective they... It'd be very organised, but I feel like in terms of practicality, we would not win that. I mean, I don't know. Look, let's look at the US um, Capitol siege. If that was a bunch of gay uh, men or just the queer community, you know we would have got in there and left a rainbow behind. We would have got... <laughs> <Nothing> <laughs> not that I've ever approved any governmental institution. <laughs> no, yeah, let's just make that clear as well. <laughs> never acceptable, never okay. <laughs> I listened to a Lana Del Rey interview yesterday about her new album, and she... That, I mean, I feel like the interviewer should have tried to, like, save her a little bit more than they did, but she was just, like, immediately, like, very defensive about how there was no, like, people of colour on her album cover, and she was like, but these are my friends, and then she was, like, comparing it to what happened at the Capitol building, and she was like... I almost feel like it needed to happen and they're like the interview like didn't try and jump in and say anything she just let her spiel for about three minutes and she's like yeah I feel like this needed to happen it sort of showed that narcissism is the true issue in America and I was like all right love get off Twitter Uh, I did want to listen to your album but I really don't now I've never really been huge on her music anyway um but I did feel for her in that because like People just want to make stories out of everything. And, you know, like she said, like, there, but there was no representation, but these were just her friends. These were her friends. These were her close friends that she wanted yeah. to put on the thing. There's no politics behind why these people are on the cover. There is no legal reason. They, these are just my friends. Full stop. That's good enough. You, then everyone else or someone else is taking it upon themselves to say, well, that's not right because there's not a person of colour or... Um, a different ethnicity or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like I understand what her she like preempted defensiveness, and I understand where that came from for her because she gets she had all the posts on her page. I mean, you know, there should definitely be representation and stuff. But um, would if the tables were turned, would the argument stand? You know. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough one, but she. I don't know why she brought in everything that happened last week into that like that is not no relation at all yeah and she's fully just sat there like on bbc radio one like yeah i feel like this should have happened and i was like some like please like that interviewer should have been like are you sure like do you want to like change topics to try and like save her a little bit yeah her publicist is gonna be sacked i can imagine Yeah, small oops. Coming out of lockdown, bring queer venues back open, drag live again. It's all gonna, it's all gonna come together, and hopefully you can get your dance company back up and running. And definitely, we'll all, we'll all find ways to get through it and to survive. And I think that's. Like, the arts will always find a way to survive. Literally. There is, like, art isn't... Because so much of art is literally physical, but art is, is in the people. It's in your blood. It's in your heart and soul. So you, you can't stop art. You can't stop people from expressing themselves. It's not possible. How many monarchies and empires have fallen <laughs> for the sake of expression and freedom? 
it's gonna I think coming out of lockdown it'll be even stronger as well because people have they've missed it which I think I don't want to say they almost needed it because I don't want to sound like oh things happen for a reason because obviously this has not been an ideal train of events but I think people having to miss something you realize how much you like it yeah definitely sorry I was giggling because that made it seem like you know God's up there going oh you deserve a pandemic here you go (laughs) I know I was like I need to be careful how I word this now um but I think yeah it's I think venues will be fuller than ever once everyone's can be like safely definitely and so do you have anything you want to like plug or um so uh, oh I wasn't expecting that so yeah like get on my Instagram and give me followers because I I I need followers <laughs> oh yeah at Coco Vadobes and um, when we do open up you know come on down to the Violet Show Bar here in Leeds come and see all the amazing girls and the fab show and the beautiful boys and of course the bar staff um it's a it's an escape and I hope while you live we have I've had people that I met in Gran Canaria come from their native countries just to Leeds to come and see us come and see the show and come and see us and they keep coming back um so yeah and get on at Violet Show Bar on Instagram Thank you. And yet, so you can find the podcast on Instagram at here to make it queer or Twitter at make it queer. And yes, please come to Leeds, come to Viaduct. Hopefully I'll be back there as well at the same time. And it can just be a delightful, a queer mess. Absolutely. Need. Thank you. I'm <laughs> shots all- yeah, shots all round. Yeah.